Welcome to On The Stoop with Suave, the place where the best conversations with your favorite people happen. On this episode, Suave has Boston party rocker DJ Joshua Carl on the stoop where they'll be discussing all things video DJing, like all things video DJing, Miami drag queens, and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, DJ Suave. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of On The Stoop with Suave. My name is DJ Suave. And today we have a special guest. Y'all make some noise for DJ Joshua Carl. Oh, look at that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Oh, it's so, it's so nice to be welcomed. No doubt. No doubt. How you been, man? Not bad. Not bad. Boston. Nice city. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, the weather wasn't the best today, but um, it's a fun city for sure. Now, somebody told me, man, you, uh, you're the man out here in Boston. <sighs> That's a gross overstatement. Um, just uh, like Django Fett and just a simple man trying to make his way among the galaxy. Nice, nice. <laughs> Tell me your story, man. How'd you get into DJing? Um, necessity in college. Um, I went to Fitchburg State, which is in Western Mass, and um, played baseball. Baseball house DJ was a Memorex little cassette player, CD player, and um, I hated it. And um, I was like, I'm going to look into the music side of things. Now, granted, before that, I had broken probably six of my parents' turntables. You know, remember those big things in the living room and underneath you store the records? Right. It had an 8-track in it. Man, as soon as I saw somebody scratch on TV, I was like, yeah, I grabbed a record. I got a cut noise for like a beat. And then all of a sudden, the turntable stopped working. And my mom was like, what would you do? I'm like, I didn't touch it. I don't know. <laughs> so obviously I broke the belt and then she bought another one and I broke that one and I broke so many of those things trying to cut and then abandoned that after high school. And then in college, I was like, you know what? I got a little extra money. I got this forum and I was so bad, so bad. Like I knew nothing because it was pre-internet. It wasn't right. like, I want to learn how to DJ. Let me, let me Google this. It was, I want to learn how to DJ Oh, there's a guy who lives on this floor who does it. Why don't you go talk to him? And he had like the rack mount CD player. And he even said to me, he's like, if you really want to do it, you got to get turntables. And the rest kind of, as they say, is history. I was horrible right out the gate, had nobody to learn from, nobody to teach me. All those videos you see nowadays where it's like somebody subbed in music for a horrible performance. Those were literally, literally my performances were that bad. I knew nothing to go on except for like, you know, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover right. and, and Donnie Simpson <laughs> on BT. That was it. But uh, I moved to California, lived out there for a bit, saw some real DJs who I wish I could give shine to, but I was kind of just young and just living life. And I was one of the people that we as DJs hate. I just run to the booth, request a song, and then just sit there and watch. Learned some things, came home. Um, one of my homies, this uh, local guy, uh, DJ Masai, and I became pretty good friends. And... He was like, yo, I heard you DJ. I was like, sorry. <laughs> if, you, if you ever heard, I'm, I apologize. I was so bad. But he's like, listen, I need somebody to cover this spot. And it was called the Purple Shamrock. And it was relatively legendary in the city. Not legendary in that great way, but legendary in that they, they're scooping up teeth at the end of the night. Oh. And, you know, but it, man, if you wanted to get drunk, go home with somebody and throw up in the same night, this was the spot. <laughs> So um, he was like, yo, cover Friday for me, you know, and I had like maybe the day he told me a handful of records and went right out to a record store, which I think was Tower at that time, because I knew nothing of there's record shops. I just knew like there's records in the back of Tower. I bought like five of those like reggae gold, um, you know, because I'm like, these people are getting rich girl like six times, like, like, because nice. I knew as a club goer on the floor, you, you know, you play those like early nineties, you know, in the mid nineties, like reggae tracks, so Diana King and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Like that was the wheelhouse that I kind of worked in for like the first couple months. That second night I covered from the owner came in and was like, yo, we've never seen this place like this. Who are you? And I'm like, I'm one of your bouncers. Right. And he's like, why, why, uh, why are you DJing? I'm like, well, mass, I asked me to cover for him. He's like, you're not bouncing anymore. You're, you're, you're our new Thursday guy. So nice. I didn't have a lot of that in between, like learn the skill before you go in the club time. It was sort of like learn on the job, made a ton of mistakes, got yelled at a lot, gotten, you know, fights with arguments and staff and managers and really learned on the job. 
which kind of accelerates things. You know, right. you're kind of forced to learn. You can't just like nowadays you, you can't learn a cut. You go watch a different video or you call somebody up and say, listen, I can't wrap my head around this flare. Help me out. Do you know a video? Oh yeah. Shorty has a really good video. Go watch that. That wasn't a thing. So back then it was like, well, I, I can't get these two songs together. And it was way before I even knew what like a BPM counter was. The first time I saw a BPM counter, I was like, oh, the world's the world's mine now. <laughs> like, right. I don't have to. Because for years, I, I just went by ear. Like, mm-hmm. I know this song is about this speed and the same as this. And I know if this works, then this works. And in hindsight, I'm kind of glad that that happened. Because I don't so much DJ by the numbers as I see some guys do. Which is fine. It works. Um, but I'm glad I got to learn how to paint freestyle, not with numbers. So. Nice. That's kind of how I got started. I've been doing it ever since. I've had a couple breaks here and there, but for the most part, I've only been DJing. Now, how did you then transition from, we'll say, regular DJing to um, video DJing? Uh, video is <laughs> just a whole other animal. Uh, I was in Iraq, 06, 07, and when I deployed, I was running a record store. I was also teaching at a DJ school called DJ Mix Academy. And Stanton came in, said, this is Final Scratch. This is going to change the way DJs do things. And we went, <laughs> right. And they're like, here's tickets. Come see Diesel Boy tonight. He's going to use it. And we went and saw him. And yeah, it crashed a few times and had its issues. And we were just kind of like, those guys that have been DJing for like 10 years or so. And we're like, yeah, this ain't never going to catch on. We run a record store. We supply the people with music. This ain't never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Go to Iraq, come back. What, what's a, what's everybody using? Serato. Like, what the, what the hell's a Serato? Like, you know, I had no idea. It had just came out. The 57 hadn't quite come out yet, but it was coming out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what are we going to do? Like, all, not only my record store, but the competing record stores were all gone. So I'm like, now, so what do we do for music? I was literally, like, reaching out to some of the guys, like, I started mentoring before I left to go, what's happening here? What? How do we do this now? And they're like, you're going to have to find a pool or you're going to have to go on... <laughs> With a lime wire or whatever, <laughs> you know, people were using in that era. And now at that point in my in my life, I wasn't terribly computer literate. I could operate one, mm-hmm. but I was never like one of these guys that could really navigate like the backdoor apps. Um, like I knew of Napster, but I never really, I was so scared like to go on there and then like have the IRA at my house. Mm-hmm. Like I knew it was never going to happen, but I just pussyfooted my way around that whole thing. Um, I did mess with LimeWire for a while because I found one track on there I couldn't find anywhere else. And I was like, yo, if they've got this track, that means a dude on this other end of this computer knows. Like, So I invested with LimeWire for a little bit. And then uh, I started you know, hitting the pools and stuff. And I think the biggest factor was my favorite part of DJing, one of my favorite part of the DJ homework, which is what I call you, what you do from Sunday to Friday. Um Listening to your music, throwing away crap, you know, building sets, labeling, all that, all the home, all the stuff we really actually get paid for, not the performance. Um, I found myself, that part of the job was done in a day now. Like, I wasn't like, I need to make it to this store on Wednesday to get these records. That wasn't a thing anymore. Um, it was hit the button, all the music in your, is, is here for you now. Um, you don't have to look anymore. I mean, you can still dig for a remix or find an editor that you really like and kind of like kind of like harp on that sound. But for the most part, the work was done. The legwork was done. So I was like, man, I'm like, that's gone. Video reintroduced that into my life. Now, it's a lot different 10 years later because back then we had like the holy grail of videos that we couldn't find. Like Kwame, um, Only You. Impossible to find the video. So much so that I text messaged Kwame through Instagram was like, listen, man, I'm a huge New Jack Swing fan. I'm a video DJ. I need the video for only you. And he's like, dude, I can't even get that. What? And I was just like, oh, dude, how is that a thing? You know, like, and it's the 90s, that thing where like dudes were signing the agreements and not reading the fine print and just getting their money and going out and buying cars and polka dot shirts. And polka dot shirts. So uh, like with that, there was like a holy grail of videos and, and a lot of us were like, man, like another one that just surfaced was um, Fresh Prince's Nightmare on My Street. Mm-hmm. We all remembered there was a video for that, but no one knew where it was. Like no one could get their hands on it. And apparently everybody had asked old video DJs, had said to Jeff, Jeff, can you get your hands on the Nightmare on My Street video? And he's like, no, man, can't happen. Um, this last year, I don't know what happened. It popped up. 
and extend and mix in Canada, which is a company I work with once in a while. Um, they put it on their site and I was just like, dude, I've been looking for this video for 10 years. Wow. I can't say that about any audio track. Now, granted, how often do I play that song? Twice during the week of Halloween. Yeah. But it's still like as a DJ, as a collector, as a lover of music, that was like, I need to get my hands on that. So that was reintroduced with video for me. Um, also, as a person, um, I don't take things terribly seriously. I take myself and my career seriously, but I don't take myself seriously in the sense of like, I think it's that important. I think I have, I like to have fun. I like to have other people having fun at, you know, as a result of what I'm doing. So often um, working in funnier stuff was always something like I always enjoyed. Taking a hard left in your set in the right room um, was something I really enjoyed. And that was something that video really helped with. Like if, you know, everybody's been playing Apache for, you know, what, four decades now. People have been playing Apache by Sugar Hill Gang. Playing the version with the Fresh Prince video attached to it is a completely different animal than just playing the track. Sure, everybody does the dance because everybody knows the dance. But when you play the video for it, I found like in the right room, in the right setting, this murders as opposed to just being okay. Um, there's rooms I don't do video. Places be like, yo, we want you to come in and do video. I'm like, no, this room is not set for video. This is a club. Like, I don't want the focal point on these walls. I don't want people not dancing. I want the focal point to be on the music. That's this club's MO. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware. There's a panel that I run every year at the DJ Expo, and it's about video DJing. And we get 10 or 15 like guys that have been doing it for a decade plus, and we all kind of say the same thing. Like, not every room needs video. Right. You know, so bringing the right tool, you know, bringing the right weapon to the battle is really important. And how long have you been doing video DJing? Uh, pretty much since it started, like 2008. Um, so, so you do more video gigs than uh, let's regular see. or non-video um, gigs? Since 2009, I would say, or 2008, uh, I would say 75% of my gigs are video gigs. Okay. Now, for me, out the gate, those first couple of years, there was a difference. Um, for the last seven years, um, it's a matter of just hitting a button. Um all my tracks are usually videos anyways. Because if I hear an edit that I really like, because I still go through my music every week and there's no video for it, I make it. Because I'm like, I need this by Saturday. I know I want to play it. I, I'll open my computer right there and I'll knock out an edit. With Mix Emergency having the capabilities that it has, I don't have to get crazy with the editing to like match up a build or, or something visually to go with the video. Plus, Right now, we've gotten away from EDM quite a bit, so most of the videos don't need that extra like flashing and kicks to it. But if I do want it, Mix Emergency has it. So editing-wise, I'm making just really simple remix edits that I can play out and not not have the content. And there's been times where I get a track, you know, on the way in, a manager would be like, "Yo, we have this, you know, this kid's birthday party, and he's asking for this track." Mm -hmm. I'll look, I don't have the video, I download it. I have a whole folder of like stock images, and not images, stock videos that I use all the time. So one of the big problems out the gate, and I still get this question today, it was like, yo man, what happens if a track comes out and you don't have a video for it? I'm like, dude, this video's been around for a decade. You don't think we've got that figured out? Like, relax. <laughs> we got, go sit down and watch, have fun. Right. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Let's play a game. My game music. I was going to say, man, <laughs> my pants aren't coming off. <laughs> I think that might, be, might have been the best reaction I've got. <laughs> we're, we're, we're alone in a room, man, and you just played some weird music and to ask me to play a game. Everything that's going on with MJ and R. Kelly, I didn't know where this is going. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, first game we're going to play is called Your DJ's Favorite DJ. Um, I want to know your three favorite DJ, DJs, VJs, not necessarily the best, but your personal favorite. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say am just because of everything he's done and that he, his sets were often, I dare say vulnerable. They weren't the most perfect in some senses, especially if you listen to some of his other sets that weren't polished, like the one Oh six set is amazing but it's like you know that he practiced that as he should have and he presented like the best possible set he could and it's amazing but i like listening to his other stuff where you hear him taking even bigger chances 
and going even further left. The fact that he had the balls to do that and still was in the situation he was in just gets him the utmost amount of points from me. Nice. Uh, Z Trip is definitely in there. Z Trip and P. Um, their uh, CD that they came out with back at the beginning of uh, Y2K era, Uneasy Listening, was probably one of the first crossover CDs, mix CDs I had heard that really did the rock and hip hop thing to I mean till this day I still hear some of those edits in there even like you know with the rhinestone cowboy and you know some of those just like I said the left turns anything that's different than what everybody else is doing but still dope like I really gravitate towards and then third place probably is a tie between uh Fatboy Slim and DJ Dan because I came up with a lot of electronic music I mentioned to you before we I, I wore two different hats in that era in that 96 to 2005 era one of my night was all hip-hop and the next night was all electronic music and I had different crates for different nights and I knew that if I was going to this club I grabbed this crate and it was all electronic music mostly UK based stuff DJ Dan was probably I think it was the fact that he just was like a regular dude with a baseball hat that seemed to have no because this is a pre-internet, um, just a regular dude, unassuming looking. He didn't look like a DJ per se. Came in and just put together these incredibly funky, baseline driven French house disco house sets that were just like insane. These samples that he used to grab, his ear for music was insane. His in stereo mix CD is probably still one of my favorites. It's just super groovy and funky and just you can't listen to it and not just be like, dude, I need to be on a beach right now. Like this is beach music. And Fatboy Slim, I mean, the guy's a legend. Uh, I had a real big hankering for big beat music. I tried so hard to work that stuff into my sets, and it failed miserably at most points, aside from, like, Rockefeller Skank mm-hmm. and shit like that. But for the most part, like, watching his Brighton video where he played at Brighton Beach and basically shut the whole city down. From a technical standpoint, watching him, you're like, yeah, he's not doing anything crazy. Like, he's not, you know, crazy and Qbert level of, like, you know, skill set, and he's not like you know on the mic at all he used to do goofy things like write messages on his record sleeves and hold them up like put your hands up and write it on a record sleeve i'm like it's the stupidest thing i've ever seen but then they show the crowd i'm like god damn <laughs> like it worked oh. and also i throw love to him because he actually got in the video he was actually a serato video artist for a little time don't know if he's still doing it but just the fact that that dude was like oh video is cool and i want to get into it it's kind of like a cosign for me nice all right well there you have it y'all <laughs> Run to the mountains. Um, one of the things that I ask every DJ that's uh, a guest here is I simply say, hey, what's the craziest thing you've seen in the booth and from the booth while DJing? Mm, God. <laughs> uh, nudity. Just nudity. I mean, to tell an actual story of things that have happened um, without incriminating myself <laughs> would probably be hard. But I mean... You know what? I got one. All right. I got one good one. Let me get let me get a little bit situated for this one. Got All right. Comfortable. I'll, I'll set the stage. All right. It is WMC 2001. Now, I'm a not a resident, but I'm a, a repeating guest at the Glovielder. Open format, arguably. Um, it's 2001, so everybody kind of had their specialty. They hit me up and they said, "Listen, we want you to throw a barbecue party on a Sunday afternoon." Book like seven or eight guys, and we're going to do a bikini contest. Our bikini contests are huge. We have a host all set up. It's like this seven-foot-tall black drag queen. He's hilarious. You'll love him. Cool. Pack my records up, you know, back in the day, like seal them, lock them, send them to FedEx. Records get there good. To give you some context, I showed up, and Zombie Nation was, I think it was an, actually, that was at 98, 99. I did it four years in a row, so it all kind of blended together. Um I book a bunch of guys, friends, homies, you know, take care of everybody. And the bikini contest starts. Now, we only have like five or six girls, and they want ten. So the manager grabs one of the girls and says, go out to the beach and just find hot girls and tell them there's a chance to win a grand in this bikini contest. So, of course, like in two seconds, my it's Miami. She comes back with like all these girls. Cool. They're all together. We're like, cool. Now, I'm standing right there while they're giving the girls instructions. Listen. No, no nudity, you, nothing lewd. 
We're like 15 feet away from the street. So people are going to be watching from the street. Fair enough. First fight, five or six girls go up. No problem. The seventh girl, eighth girl, whatever goes up. Turns out she's a porn star. Oh, she was naked faster than anything I've ever seen. Granted her bikini was nothing but like two napkins and a leaf like tied together with floss. That thing came off. I think I'm not entirely sure if she took it off or just sneezed really hard. And that thing just dissolved. Like I looked down and then I heard the crowd scream and I heard the guy in the mic go like, Oh, and I'm like, Oh, what happened? And I looked up and she was naked and I'm like, wow, I'm like, this is my life right now, but that's not where the story goes. And if I can get this, if I can find this, I think it's on VHS. I apologize if I can't, you'll just have to picture it. The girl comes out after like, all right, I'm going to go one up on this girl. She starts dancing with the drag queen proceeds to swing up put her legs around the drag queen's neck so now the drag queen is holding her in the air by her back and the drag queen's face is in this girl's crotch Mm -hmm. in the drag queen's like madness of trying to like get the mic and and hold this girl in the air her top comes off so now she's topless then he loses his balance and the girl flips down backwards so now it's like basically she's doing a handstand but her legs are locked around this guy's neck, topless. She's reaching up to grab something and pulls off the drag queen's wig. So now you have this half-naked girl with a wig in her hand and the drag queen reacting exactly how you would expect a seven-foot-tall drag queen to react when their wig has been whipped off. Um, And the whole place is in hysterics. And... um, Man, I mean, like I said, I'm going back 15 years, but I remember that. It was, like, it was yesterday. It was one of the. It was one of those moments I couldn't catch my breath after, um, nice. and, and I was expecting not to get asked back. But they were like, "We need to do this next year." <laughs> I was <laughs> like, "I'm down. Uh, just pay for everything." Yeah, that's <laughs> damn. That's 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 a good one. I had to go back 15 years when I was single, though. Man, and, like I said, nowadays, like I don't get to put the the blinders on because I'm married, but. I'm really focused, man. Like I, I, I'm constantly thinking and constantly trying to do things. Um, like I said, I do a lot of acapella stuff and like, I'm not a sync guy not to take anything away. I know there's guys that do amazing stuff with sync, but I, I like to hear things slipping on my own and make the adjustments on my own. So, um, in office and with the acapellas, the work you have to do to quantize an acapella to snap to grid is kind of a pain. So I'm like, I'd rather just do it by ear. I've been doing it by ear for 20 years. Why, why change that? Right. Now, being so focused, do you, you know, do you take requests? I do. I always entertain requests. And I try not to lie. I'll tell somebody right up, like, it's not in format. And when they freak out, I usually use some sort of culinary reference to kind of diffuse them. Like, listen, you can't walk into Taco Bell and be like, listen, I like pizza. Everybody likes pizza. Give me pizza. It's like, listen, you're in Taco Bell. Like, I know you like it. I know they like it. Go somewhere else if that's what you want. That's not what we serve here. Unless the person's completely drunk, I won't even go down that road. But if they're a little bit conscious, I'll be like, listen, it's just not what we do here. For example, we started a Latin night and we're trying to get away from so much Latin in my sets on Thursdays that the management is like, listen, just play like maybe like half of what you used to play and then use those requests to populate our Wednesday. Because the Wednesday is an official Latin night with actual people that actually love and breathe and you know dance circles around me with that music. Like I... I perpetrate in that department. I, I, I'm like, what's hot? I'm like, this right. is really hot. This is really hot. This is really hot. I definitely got to play this. I definitely got to play this. These dudes are like, they know that music. They live it. They love it. They breathe it. So I defer to them. And, nice. um, but I've definitely had people stand behind me for like five minutes. <laughs> There's a one spot in Boston, man. Good life. It's great. They have a sign that says, listen, we love you. We're so glad you're here. We book our DJs under the guys that they know what they're doing and they're really good at it. Let them do their thing and go have fun. We promise you won't be upset. Nice. And it's, dude, every time I play there, I take a picture of that and I post it on my Instagram because I'm like, it's it's a really good message. It's not like, fuck off, no requests. Right. It's kind of like, listen, we understand you want to hear some stuff, but if if he can get to it, he will. Like, relax. No shout outs. <laughs> nice. I always tell people I don't have a mic or Me mic too. don't work. Yeah. And then I then at one o'clock, I'm like, oh, thanks for coming out. And they're like, hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I got to work and I don't know what happened. <laughs> Let's play another game. It's a good thing we don't have drinks because 
<laughs> I should incorporate that into you my You should, because by the second time you hit that bell, maybe an article of clothing might come <laughs> off. Things get started. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, are you familiar with Two Truths and a Lie? No, I'm not. Okay, so basically what that game is is you tell me three things. Two of them are going to be the truth. One's going to be a lie. And I have to guess which one is the lie. Oh, this is going to be really easy for you. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, and obviously, I don't tell you which is which. Correct. I love country music. Okay. I've never played a drum and bass set. Okay. I'm a huge San Francisco Giants fan. All right. We are in Boston. And uh, so I'm for sure going to say that the Giants. Actually, wait, wait, wait. wait. No, no, no. You used to live in Cali. <laughs> uh, not just that. Oh. Just think about what we said earlier. Okay, okay. So. Um, country music, giants, and I—I I gotta say that you love country music, that you have played a drum and bass set, and that you—you—you're uh, not a or that uh, the San Francisco Giants one is a lie. I'm the winner. I win. I hate country music uh, to the point like old country road right now. I am ripping my face off with that song. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. When I came to Denver and Deco was like, yo, you don't have to play any country, but you know, you know, it is Denver. I'm like, dude, like I just don't do it. Like I, I can't, I lived in Texas for a couple of years. I used to go to this place called Cowboys. I, that's the closest to suicide I've ever been. Like I can't do it. It's just, damn, dude, I grew up like, you know, listening to a lot of soul, like a lot of like, um, early 80s like anita baker and whitney houston like that's what my mom listened to my dad listened to blues like legit blues so like that music is just the biggest departure from that which is funny because i love like bluegrass and johnny cash and john denver and like even like merle haggard i can i can appreciate that stuff but i, mean, I just can't do country i've never played a drum and bass set i enjoy it i have a couple mixes i really like listening to it's just i i just can't take on another genre <laughs> just, and then um, I'm a huge Willie Mays fan. Oh, um, huge Willie Mays fan. Not a big Barry Bonds fan, but a huge Willie Mays fan. And like I told you earlier, I love National League Baseball. Right. Even the Red Sox, my favorite team, I love National League Baseball. The Giants and the Expos are two of my favorite teams. Tim Raines is probably my number one favorite player of all time. So you gave me two lies and the truth. Y'all just making up new no, games in Boston. No, I don't. I, don't. I two, gave you two truths and a lie. Yeah. So you said you. Oh, that's right. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> Well, at least, hey, at least now you know two truths and a lie. There we have it, y'all. Let's talk about video DJing. Is it safe to call you a subject matter expert in video DJing? That's a fair statement. Okay. What's the biggest difference between video DJing versus MP3 DJing? Uh, I'd say the initial learning curve. Other than that, um, actually, let me go back a little bit and just explain that a bit more. The initial learning curve for video doesn't end with loading a track. You have to learn a little bit more about um, connectivity. The days of RCA, quarter inch, and XLR, that's where audio kind of ends for us. Most mixers have those three outputs, and that's where you end. With video, especially if you're cross-platform, if you're on PC or Mac, um, there was an era when video started when we were doing composite, component, HDMI was just starting, DVI, and then you had to weigh in whatever matrix you were trying to pl plug into in every, every different venue. Um, if you go to my house now, I have a stack of converters because you used to, you know, the book you do, like, come do video, we have TVs. So you had to go in on an off day, figure out how to get into their video system. It wasn't until the last, like, eight years that nightclubs started putting an actual either HDMI or, excuse me, um, mini display port, VGA port, in the booth, they're always in the control room, and it was our job to figure out how to get the signal there. It's gotten a lot easier. Like, if you go to a club that is a video club, they will have something in the booth for you. But if you don't understand, like, how to operate your second screen, just take it off of mirror and put it on the right thing and understand what, you know, why, it's more troubleshooting. Like, mm -hmm. there's so many videos, man. Like, I remember, like, people have their Serato decks up on the TVs, and I'm like, dude, like, you have to shut off your mirroring. Oh, what's that? I'm like, dude, why'd you take the gig? I'm like, I know video DJing is relatively easy, but that initial learning curve, like learning those different things and then learning what's crap, like learning like if somebody gives you an edit and there's not enough keyframes in it, Serato Video, Virtual DJ, Mixed Emergency, 
can't find a keyframe and it'll crash your computer. Like, and you're like, oh, the software sucks. I can't figure it out. It's like, no, dude, that edit that you got from whatever booty pool you're using messed up your whole your whole thing. Like that, that happens with audio once in a while, but we're lucky enough to have like the little lightning bolt that pops up or, or whatever on Serato. That doesn't happen with video. Mm. You get a bad video, you're crashed, and then you load that video again, and that's how you figured out that that video was a bad video. I was fortunate that uh, I had a lot of support with, from other video DJs that were learning the same issues that I was running into because we all started at the same time. Like there was only a handful of guys that were using the DVJs and going back to 2001. For those that don't know, those are the CD players that Pioneer put out that used to play DVDs. So expensive. Obviously, you had to bring a whole book of DVDs. And then the biggest problem with all that is that the content, they didn't do things like take out the skit you know, from the middle of the video. So if you ever play like, I don't know if you've ever seen the video for Ooh by De La Soul, Mm -hmm. that's like a seven minute video with like 15 breaks in it. You know what I mean? Like you could not play that song. Now, obviously everything's edited. We use album versions, extended versions, remix service versions. Other than that, once you get over that initial learning curve, the difference between playing video and not for me is literally just clicking the, the button that turns on the video software. It's no different. I do the same routines. I do the same juggles. I do the same cuts. I mix the same. I think once you get to a certain point, you start thinking outside the box. And now when I'm mixing audio, I'm also changing the mixing style of the video. So like I'll, if I'm playing dance music per se, and I have a a mix that's going to go, you know, eight measures, I know one of the things in my head is I know every two measures, I'm going to change the transition effect. So every time that kick comes around, I'm going to change it from like a dissolve to like a quad, from a quad to like a split screen. So everything's happening in time and it makes sense. Um, It's one of those tangibles I I feel like people are never going to leave or make a statement about, well, his transitions, video side, you know, they didn't really make sense, so we left. Like that's never going to happen. But at the same time, like people, you know, inherently react to things that make sense to things, things that are that are quantized in their head. When the music and the videos match in their behavior, it makes sense to them. And it's, you know, it's not as often. Like, you know how it is, dude, for us, if we hear a train wreck, I, I want to rip my ears off. People aren't terribly dissimilar as, as much as we discredit them for being idiots. They react, you know, whether it's, 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 it's right or not. So the further you get in video DJing, the more you learn about that psychology. Okay, so do you make your own edits? Yep, yep. Um, that was one of the biggest things out the gate for me. I was using Sonic Foundry, so on SoundForge, and um, Reason trying to make music, and I just couldn't wrap my head around so many things. Um, video, because the visual was really easy for me to open up in the, at that point in my life, Vegas, and just start you know, doing edits. Like I'd see a video in my head or I'd see something on TV, and I'd be like, man, that would really work with this song. Like, but nobody's done that. So I need to like get online, download this episode of Senate Live or whatever, and make this edit so I can play it out. One of the first edits I did that actually got me a lot of like kind of notoriety, but it was from Chappelle's show when he did the um somebody did like a be more break of that and it was just so funny and me and my homies at that point in our lives like Chappelle's show for for me was everything everything and so a track came out with one of the funniest skits i thought and i'm like yo and it'd be more be more super hot like in that 2007 thing and i was like i gotta make this edit and it flipped from that into the choice is yours um, it was dope. It was a really good edit. And I made the video and I was just like, Hey, on, on, was it MySpace? I can't remember. Uh, might've been Facebook. I was like, here's an edit I did. If you guys do video, check it out. And just boom, that thing went nuts. Like everybody's like, yo, this is great. And I was like, oh, cool. People like it. So then I did one for, um, this remix of baby got back, but then I used, it was like a EDM ish kind of remix, but I used the video from our man, Van Helden's, um, was it shake it? What was it? <laughs> it's like all this viral footage of girls in their dorm rooms, like half naked, mm. shaking their butts. Um, I did that, and that popped off too. Um, so then I was like, "Oh, this is cool." I found like a little niche, like these kind of like funny tongue-in-cheek edits. And um, not long after that, um, my homie uh, Eloy and I um, got hit up by Strictly Hits, mm. and 
uh, Strictly um, was just starting out to do video. And I think at that point, there was maybe one or two other places that were doing like remix videos. Um, so I started pumping out edits on that. And, you know, some of them were like, you need an edit of this track and it's not on the remix services. So I'll just do an edit. And some of it was like three weeks sitting at my computer frame by frame, like making strobes go exactly to snares and, mm. you know, making these videos look as much like it's the official video as possible. Um, and maintaining the quality and most importantly, making sure the auto quality wasn't, you know, ruined at all, which, right. you know, we all learned over time. Like the first couple edits I made, man, I, I go back and listen to them and I'm like, God, what did I do? What was I thinking? Um, and it, and it takes somebody correcting you like, Hey man, like this is a cool edit, but just so you know, you can't take a track that's 29 frames per second and put it in a template at 23 because you're going to lose frames and the video is going to look like crap. Like no one ever told me that. And I'm like, it took somebody telling me that. And then now over the past 10 years, somebody be like, Hey Josh, what do you think of this edit? I'm like, Oh man, here we go. You can't take a video that's 29 and, and you know, like it's all past knowledge. Um, so I spent um, a couple of years with Strictly Hits. It was great. Um, and then this weird thing happened where a letter got out saying the RIA is shutting down all these remix services. And most of them disappeared. People were just like, I'm not losing my house. Peace. Sorry, guys. Um, Crooklyn fought it, man. Like they fought it and they reached out and they're like, listen, we know, you know, you're not with Strictly anymore. Obviously, you want to come on board. And, um, I came on board with the Crooklyn clan guys for about a half a decade. Um, arguably didn't do as much video as I probably should or could have. Um, there was definitely times where they're like, Hey man, you hadn't done anything in a while. And I'm like, dude, I'm too busy working. Like, um, I, at that point in my life, I was, I was doing a day job and DJing and editing. And I wasn't going to put out an edit that was just mediocre. Like right. everything I did, like I sat down um, drove my family crazy because when you edit, you're listening to the same part like 75 times in a row, man, like I'm surprised somebody in my house didn't kill me. Um, <laughs> and I hated wearing headphones cause I'd get like ear fatigue. Um, so yeah, spent a handful of years with, with Kirkland clan and I still have a great relationship with them. I could arguably maybe go back, but, um, I'm at the point now where I'm DJing three to five, six nights a week and I have the edits I need. The edits I'm making are simple. Um, like I said before, with hip hop being the main stay of music popularity right now, I don't need to make EDM edits that are all flashy and crazy. Um, so I kind of just stick with, um, originals or even maybe extended. Nice. Is there a large population of video DJs out there? It's, it's very market dependent. Um, I think if the market has a good video DJ on it, like a, dare I say a torchbearer, somebody who in that market, people know He's at this spot and he's going to do video that kind of makes it infectious in the area because the other owners of other places will be like, yo, did you see that guy at that spot? He doesn't just play music. He does video. We have all these TVs. Why are we shutting them off? Or why are we running a loop? Or why are we running, um, you know, uh, pictures of people who've been in the club before? Like who wants to see who was here a month ago? It's ridiculous. Um, that's kind of what happened in Boston. Um, there's a couple of us that have stuck hard with video and, like I said, man, I'm like, I'm, I'm not short of work. Um, I'm entertainment director at a few venues. All of them do video and they veered away a few times and I've kind of welcomed it just to be like, yeah, sure. Let's not do video for a month. And then like two weeks, they're like, dude, let's get back to video. Like they just, um, and these are places that it works. These are places that are, excuse me, conversion bars, um, places that are restaurants or bars during the day and are nightclubs at night. Uh, some more nightclubby than others. But in a market like Boston, sports towns, I, f I find that it, it really thrives because these dudes pay so much for all these TVs and their mm -hmm. video systems. And you're just like, I'm going to put these to work. And, you right. know, and then on top of that, a lot of us has jumped into the marketing angle of it. Like um, oh, a couple of my bars, I put their logo up. Um, I put their Instagram handle up. Make sure you follow us, for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then you have things like Jam Text, which you can run social media in real time on your screens. So people are like taking pictures in real time, posting them on the screens and then taking pictures of the picture they just took on the, screen. on the screens and sending messages to each other and all kinds of crazy stuff all anonymously, you know, through a phone number. Mm -hmm. And I get 
every single one of those phone numbers. I'm I'm sitting on right now like 6,500 phone numbers wow. from one venue. Wow. And I'm just like, I, I'm just waiting because the last thing I want to do is send a message out and then just have everybody block me right away. Right. I'm waiting for that moment where I can be like, all right, this is this is the event that I want to use my card and hope that these people are like, oh, dope. You know, like, I'm glad this guy hit me up. Um, so there's a lot of avenues. But like I said earlier, there's a couple of venues where I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't want to do video here. Like your, your dance floor is in the middle of the room. Your TVs are on the outside. I don't want people facing the screens. And they're still like, no, we want you to do video. And when I do video in those situations, I go into my settings. I take my brightness down to like 20%. So it maintains the darkness so the, BJ, um, the lighting guy can still do his lights. And then I run a lot of filters that make the videos almost unintelligible. Um, and it's basically all basically like VJ tricks to hide things. They're overlays that I've used blend modes to keep the video dark and then just kind of like, you know, bumping to the music. So like if you play a Cardi B track, you'll see Cardi B in the video pop up here and there. But for the most part, there's something on top of it kind of like going to the music, hiding it. And that way I don't take away from the dance floor because at right. the end of the day, that's the golden rule. Unless you're doing a showcase set where you're on a stage and people are like, hey, look at watch, watch what this guy's about to do. You have to maintain the ideology of I need to keep the dance floor packed. I need to keep the bar making money and I need to keep everybody safe. And, you know, it's no different than regular DJ. Why would somebody want to become a video DJ? Mm, I, think, I mean, cause in my opinion, <clears throat> this is my opinion. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is, I mean, it just seems like it's more work. It is. It most definitely is. It's not, it's not something that you can take on without an investment of time, effort and patience. And I think, like I said, coming from my era where I don't want to say this, but I had gotten DJing figured out. Like, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't train wrecking like I was in the nineties. I wasn't, you know, trying to play, you know, Conway Twitty and 50 cent. Like, you know what I mean? I wasn't experimenting anymore. I knew how to hold the floor. I was getting consistent work. Challenge me some more. Like, you know what I mean? I was looking for the bonus level. I had beat the game. Give me the bonus level. I want a real challenge now. Plus, I felt like the way things were going, visually, the society was heading in a place where visuals are a huge part of our lives. Terrestrial radio, as much as I love it, is hardly a thing anymore. Um, I, I do a radio show in New York, and I love it, and I get, I'm glad that they reached out, and I get to do an actual mix show on the radio that a bunch of New Yorkers get to hear. That's great. But it's nothing like a radio show in the 90s. Like a radio show in the '90s could change things. Like it could, it, you could break a record. Like yo, like this record came out, nobody got it, played it on the radio. Guy's huge. That's not a thing anymore. I feel like video, it is. Like Cardi B and um, like I always forget the dude's name. That, that backing it up track. Like when I play that record, people are kind of like they watch the screen because they hear his voice, and, but they don't know who he is. And then Cardi comes in. And everybody's like, oh, like I know other people pull their phones out. Like that first week I played that track, I'm like, man, like this dude's on this track for almost two minutes. I could make a quick hitter and jump right to Cardi, but his verse isn't that bad. I'll let it rock. Like it's right in that 80 BPM range. I need filler there anyways. And like people like, yo, is it Paradise Fontaine or whatever his name is? I always forget. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, you play that track. And then I'd ask him for Cardi. They're asking for him. And I'm like, and I said to myself, I'm like, I've been playing this track for three weeks and they recognize this dude now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and when someone comes out with a new track, like Offset and Cardi B just came out with a new, I don't like Cardi B. It's just that she's at the top of my tongue right now. <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they see her and it's sort of like a cosign. Like, oh, okay. Like, it's just like when the, what's that Justin Bieber, um, Chance, um, Khaled record that came out like last year. The um, I'm the one. I'm the one. Yo, yeah. like when that video came, so that track and that this happens once in a while. A track and the video come out at the same time. So for us, that's gold. We're like, dude, we don't have to go two weeks with playing like a lyric video or something or an ambient. We can actually play the real video right away, and people see those artists. There's not that weird like, oh, what is this? They look and they're like, oh, there's Bieber and there's there's Chance and there's Khaled. Like, what is this? I haven't heard it. The Little Dicky, Freaky Friday, same thing. Like, you play that out the gate and people are like, what is this? They look at the screen and they're like, oh, it, it's Dicky and Chris Brown. I'm like, all right, I hadn't heard this yet. Oh, this is great. Like, one of my biggest, 
hangups with regular DJing, and I still run into it today because I still do audio DJing. I'll play a great new song that people just, it's not their favorite song yet. You know, there's that meme, like all those girls with the cups looking like, and it's like, this is the look you get when you play their favorite song a month before they know what's their favorite yeah, song. Yeah, like that, that doesn't happen as much with video. Cause they're like, Oh, I love this artist. Like I know who this is. Like it cuts down that time. So I find I'm able to play a little bit looser with unpopular music. So, um, that's a perk. I guess, but why, but why would someone get into it? I think it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And, and honestly, I think we said before, um, there's more places embracing it. If it's in your market, there's a, there are markets where it's just, it ain't flying. Mm -hmm. And it's probably because there's not somebody there of repute who's like, yeah, I can do this. Let's watch this. Let's put this, let's put this video set together, see how it flies. And if people don't like it, fine, I'll walk away. In those towns, there isn't that person. So it's just like nobody's doing video here. Nobody's pushing the bar. Nobody's putting together a video set that people want repeated. So gotcha. Yeah, because I tried it for like three months, and I was like, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, because, but what I found was, you know, the edits, the the remixes that I was using, there wasn't a video for them. And so, like, you, which leads me to my next question. When a new song comes out, I mean, is there – typically a wait time before the actual music video drops it, it's it's completely random like if a track drops so like i said i still get new music i still um use my pools and i still search and i still listen to rap caviar and a bunch of different you know spotify lists trying to just keep my finger on the pulse of what's coming out example i don't want to date the podcast but like when Lil nas x was coming out i had heard it coming down the pike i had heard people talking about it i had seen it on playlists and i was just like man, I really hope this track just doesn't catch on because it's it's kind of, it's not a mumble rap track, obviously, but it's kind of like the two things I dislike in music, country and slow tempo. Like this slow tempo stuff that's obviously like crazy fun, but like the slow tempo, just like drawn out stuff like that. I was like, dude, this does nothing. It's a sing-along track and I pretty appreciate that. But from an energy standpoint, I'm like, I'm going to play this, hit the chorus and get out. Like, right. this is not what I want my night to be. It came out with a video, but it was a crap. Like, it looked like something from Red Dead Redemption. Like, it's like a, it's like a animated music video from a video game. But it came out right away. So I was like, well, at least I got a video to play from it. But it's not legit. It's not like you're playing the artist. There's a lot of tricks around that. Some people who use jam text will switch their jam text to just full interactive mode which will just bring up a bunch of pictures and a bunch of tweets and it gets people interacting while the song is playing. Mm. And then when that's done, you just shrink it back down to the bottom third of your screen and goes back to normal. Um, the other thing I do, any video that comes out that doesn't have somebody singing in it. Uh, one I use an example for of is uh, Praise You, um, the Spike, Spike Jones video for Fatboy Slim Track. There, it's shot horribly on purpose outside of a venue in Vegas and it's just all these weird people dancing. Now, granted, that's not the best idea because people know that video, but there's so many videos like that that are just weird. Uh, they're not tethered to any song. So you can play that with anything. Um, oh, God, I always forget the guy's name. There's a dude on YouTube who makes all these funny dance videos, and like I grab his stuff all the time because he puts it up in 4K, and it's just him dancing, and they're hilarious. And I'll just take those and cut them down to the, to the meat and potatoes and just drop it in my stock folder. And then with Mix Emergency, what that does is that applies effects quantized to the music. So when the song is playing, the effects of the video are in time. So the mm. kick and the snare and the movement all happen with the video. And people have been like, yo, I've never seen this video before. And I'm just like, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> like, so there's, there's ways around it and there's tricks around it. And obviously it was a concern out the gate because not everybody edits. Not everybody can be like, you know, on the way to work can whip out an edit. So... Uh, there was a lot of different ways around it. I want to play another game. If I weren't a DJ, I'd be. Uh, what would I want to be or what would I really be? What would you really be? I'd be, I'd be an orthopedic specialist in a hospital because that's what I did. Um, I really enjoyed it and I was really good at it. Um, I stopped doing it through a layoff and that kind of just give me an opportunity to DJ more. My wife gave me the cosign, like, listen, I know you like DJing more. You don't have to do the nine to five. You're making enough money. And I'll take care of the insurance. As we all know, as DJs, like we get no love insurance wise. Right. Um, and I had the VA insurance. So um, 
I'd definitely still be working in orthopedics. Now, there's somebody listening wondering what the hell that is. <laughs> so um, I was a medic in the Army, and I had a specialty in orthopedics. That means broken bones. Um, means putting bones back in place. You see those kids like in YouTube videos getting their legs snapped back into place, and they're super high on drugs and say crazy stuff. Um, me and that doctor were the ones pulling in opposite directions, snapping bones back into place. Ugh. It's extremely gratifying because <laughs> <laughs> no, it's usually a battle. No bones ever snap back into place easily. Mm. Like it takes work and muscle. Like there's been bodies where there's been four of us pulling in different directions, trying to get ankles and wrists and elbows and shoulders back in place. And when you finally get it and you're literally covered in sweat and knowing that person is going to have use of their arm is it's super gratifying. Nice. Um, but then, like I said, I got laid off, and it, and it was a it was a really nice layoff. It was like I've never actually been laid off before. Um, I've been fired, um, but actually to be called in, and the off the office um, officers and the boss were like, dude, like almost in tears, like, dude, we don't want to lose you, but they did this reorg, and your position just isn't a thing anymore. Like we're gonna keep you if you want to do weekends and tag in. If guys need a day off, we will give you that work, but we just don't have your position anymore. And I was just like, at the moment, my heart sank. But then I got home. My wife's like, why don't you just DJ? I'm like, word? She's like, yeah. I was like, bet. <laughs> so truth be told, had you not gotten laid off, you would still be doing this. Yeah, I mean, I was DJing too, but just not four or five nights a week and right. traveling, you know, like before that, I was traveling New York and Denver and, you know, Miami and my Florida and California, but I never would have gotten to do Japan or India or anything like that. So Blessing in disguise. Yeah. Nice. All right. <sighs> yes. <laughs> All right. So your wife co-signs you, gives you the, you know, the the freedom to do what it is that you love. What's the first thing that you do? Sleep. <laughs> like, no, honestly, um, I had already been on night shift, but changing my schedule or my sleep schedule um, was a huge part of it. And it was something I didn't. I knew I was going to have to do, but, um, my sleep schedule now is like three, 4 AM till about 10 or 11. Um, and I had to do it. Like I just could not operate. If you've ever tried to operate, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, going to bed at 4 AM, but then Sunday through Wednesday, going to bed at like 10, Right. it messes you up so bad. So, um, that was it. And then I started thinking about like, you know, where do I want this to really go? Do, what's my goal? Am I looking to be a festival DJ? Like, no, definitely not. Um, I wanted to be like the um, the guys I sort of, um, what's the word? I, I looked up to, you know? Um, and there wasn't many places for that other than like almost like the bar, you know, bar club. Because even the club clubs, sometimes I, I watch their sets and was kind of like, dude, like, it's it's DJing by the numbers, especially in that 2008 to 2015 like EDM era. It was like all the songs are the same speed. All the songs had the same kind of format, you know, like intro, build, drop, build, repeat, drop, outro, do it again, do it again, do it again. And like while the room might have been going crazy from a artistic standpoint, I'm kind of like, dude, this is so by the numbers, like. As much as I love electronic music, it, it is paint by the numbers. So um, I was trying to find, you know, where I wanted to where I wanted to live. And uh, as much as I complain about bars, I really like the vibe in them, you know. So let me ask you this. How important is it um, for DJs that um, that are involved in a relationship to have that support from you know their significant other oh well i mean if you want the relationship to continue it's got to be huge um <laughs> i think back of uh chris rock bigger and blacker he's like man you, you meet a girl you got to be in the same thing you can't be like i'm going to church where are you going i'm going to hit the pipe like <laughs> you can't you can't have two people like on the different ends of the spectrum now, my girlfriend well she was my girlfriend she, she wasn't a club rat by any stretch of imagination, but she did. And this is a running joke. She did the DJ girlfriend thing. She came to the clubs. She sat in the booth. She watched me play. She watched me, you know, get attacked by women throughout the night. You know, she, she did that. She paid her dues and saw what I did. Now 
I can't get her to come out. Even if I'm like, Hey, listen, so-and-so's in town. We're going to do this. And she's like, "Eh, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't really want to be there. I'm like, I don't want to be there either. But like we, 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 we kind of have that responsibility, you know, as, as people who we are in the, in the, in the scene, like to be there. So, right. you know, um, and it's like, well, if we can get in the booth and just hang in the booth, <laughs> just like that, same as that same idea. But, um, yeah, if you don't have that from your significant other or even your friends, um, it's either time to rethink your career or find new friends. I can dig it. This is the part of the podcast that everybody loves. This is called rapid fire. I so thought you were going to say reach around. <laughs> I heard the R and I'm like, all right, here we go. I've been building up to that. All right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Give me the first answer that comes to mind. All right. Let's do this. I'm down. All right. You ready? Yep. All right. Here we go. Turntables or CDJs? Turntables. Michael Jackson or Prince? Michael Jackson. First celebrity crush? Um... Fergie, but when she was on Kids Incorporated. If your DJ name wasn't DJ Joshua Carl, what would you call yourself? Twinkie the Kid. We gonna have to elaborate <laughs> on that. We gonna pause the. We gonna have to pause the rapid fire. I need to get some elaborations on that. That was my first DJ name. When I first started DJing, I I had a Twinkie the Kid shirt, and my buddy was like, "Yo, you show so should go by Twinkie the Kid," and I was just like. Nah, that's stupid. And he's like, exactly. Like, that's you, dude. Like, you you know, you're stupid. You're goofy. Like, go with it. And I went with it for about two years. And like I said, I was single. So when you're like spitting game on a young lady and she's right. like, what's your DJ name? You can't say with a serious face or any kind of inclination that clothes are coming off the phrase Twinkie the Kid. It's that's- just the ultimate cog block. It's just anything yeah. that might have been progressing is now come to a screeching halt and you're being pointed at and laughed at. So I abandoned that as much. I've thought about bringing it back, but um, I think I'm just going to let it die. All right. Favorite country to DJ in outside of the U.S.? India. Okay. McDonald's or Burger King? Burger King. Best rapper of all time? Chuck D. Your next vacation is to? Wishful thinking? Um, Bahamas. Nice. Never been. When I'm done DJing, I'm going to? Die. Don't DJ that long. <laughs> I plan on it. Right. I've got these kids fooled, man. I got out this gray and everything, and they think I'm like 20 something. I'm like, yo, I'm over 40. Like, as long as I, you know, stay young and nice. keep my finger on it. All right. Favorite game show? Jeopardy. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Someone gives you a high five, but as they're coming towards you, you notice they have six fingers. Do you pull back or do you high six them? Uh, I high six them for sure. Good for you. Embrace the weird. All right, that's it. Hey, right. I made it out alive. What advice would you give to young video DJs that are getting into this and they want to, you know, have longevity in the game? Master the audio side to such a point no one could ever question your skill set. You have to be not just decent on the video side you have to be almost remarkable and i'm not saying i'm remarkable but i'm saying given the situation in the dj community video djs are often looked down upon um it's either looked at as a um uh, what's we're looking for um a farce or it's you know it's a it's a fad it's gonna come and go blah 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 um and it, and, and the things that personify that are the guys that who you know I'm not getting any work and blah, blah, blah. Well, I just bought this hard drive off of Craig, is Craigslist still a thing? <laughs> just bought this hard drive full of videos. And I know there's these video guys in town. They're always looking for DJs. So I'm just going to start doing video. And it's just like, dude, like you're hurting the craft. But that's no different than audio. There's tons of guys that just buy a hard drive and show up to a venue and, you know, try to DJ. And they're horrible. Nobody looks at an audio, the art of audio DJing and be like, well, it's a fad because that guy's crap. Like, no, he's crap. There's guys out there that are good. You just need to find them. Video DJing is not terribly dissimilar. So even in my my, sh- uh, my shows at Expo, I'm like, get really good. So good that you're, you have not arrogance, but confidence that somebody can come up behind you of repute and look over your shoulder and you won't shake. 
Like you know you're solid in what you do. Then once you're to that point, then go to the bonus round. Then take on video, take on a new thing. And then start to push the envelope of what you're doing on the screen and on your set. That's the only way that art is going to progress. There's guys out there that do that online now, like Mike Realm and um, other names are escaping me. And I know if they hear this, they're going to be so mad. (laughs) There's guys online that are doing amazing stuff and it's both musically relevant. And, you know, even if you just heard it, you'd be like, wow, that's really dope. But then you see the visual component of it and you're like, wow, that like, it makes sense now. That's out there, and it can be done, and that's kind of what needs to happen. What about video DJing do you feel that we as audio DJs need to know? We're coming for your gigs. (laughs) 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 Don't let let your manager put an HDMI line in that booth, man. We'll be in there next week going, I can do video. (laughs) No, honestly, like, honestly, I don't know any guys who – weren't djs first there's nobody who came into the game was like i do video well did you ever dj audio no i did everybody who who does it was an audio guy and it's probably still an audio guy no not too many guys are doing video at like weddings and things like that or even like i said like the nightclub nightclubs are not doing video they're they're still doing audio i still do audio at a lot of gigs i think it's just know that it's two sides of the same coin it's just it's just a little bonus and like i said once you get to the point that you've been doing it for a long time it's a matter of hitting a button, like video software on, video software off. Everything else, like I still use 1200s and, and a 72, just like every other audio guy. Um, and most of the video DJs do. Now, you use Mix Emergency. Mm-hmm. Have you tried any other stuff like Rekordbox? And- uh, yeah, so <laughs> um, off, uh, sort of unofficially, Rekordbox video is really just the baby version of Mix Emergency. As somebody who's been using, I'm, I, I work with the guys at Mix Emergency quite closely. And as somebody who's been using the software for a long time, when I started seeing the record box video, I saw definite, definite influence from Mix Emergency. Serato video is not that bad. It's just, it's really clunky. Um, since Serato Scratch Live switched to Serato DJ or Serato DJ Pro, most of the processing is being done on board your computer as opposed to your sound card now. So what used to be really light and, you know, pull 13% of your CPU with Scratch Live now is huge. It pulls a huge amount of your your your, um, your resources on your computer. Serato Video, same thing, man. Like, I've tried to use it before, and I have all these CPU meters on my computer, and I just watch that thing work. Um, Mix Emergency, it's inexpensive. They are constantly putting out updates not so much like new fe- new feature updates while well, they do the, they do do that um, with all the new OSs coming out the architecture of things are always changing for video cards and stuff so they're really good at figuring out how to operate in the new OSs as lightweight as possible and still put out like a pristine image like I used Serato Video one night and my 1080p videos look like 540 or 720 maybe and this was the kind of room where like you can see on the screens, like I can see the difference. And I know I have a trained eye, but like we said earlier, nobody's walking and going, wait a minute. These videos are at 540. These, they're supposed to be a 10. We're out of here. Like that's right. not happening. But um, we're our own perfectionists and I'm the worst one. Like uh, I'm such a perfectionist. So I'm constantly trying to get perfect. All right. Where can the people find you on social media? Uh, across the board, DJ Joshua Carl. D-J-J-O-S-H-U-A-C-A-R-L. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook. Um, everything is that. LinkedIn. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Yeah. My, I shut off my Friendster account. Um, I think my MySpace is still there, though. Now, are you actually accessible? I mean, a lot of guys, you know, give us their social media, and then they'll get a message, and they nobody, nobody super, responds to it. Super accessible. Um, especially, I would say Facebook is probably the best one because – I had one guy get mad at me. He messaged me through Instagram, but he wasn't a friend. He didn't add me. Mm-hmm. So, of course, with that, you don't get a notification. You just, you know, you go into your notifications, and it's like you have notifications from people you don't know. I didn't click on any of them because half of them were, like, spam. Right. And he was mixed up in there. And he was like, dude, like, I messaged you, like, a month ago. And I'm like, dude, I didn't see it. And, like, what's up? And he's, never mind. I figured it out. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> but, um. 
Facebook is probably the best because those messages come right to my phone. Right. Um, and I'm re- it sounds stupid, but I really take pride in the fact that my Facebook fan page says like this guy has a 99% response rate. <laughs> right. So uh, I'll try to keep that up. So you're open to guys that have video DJ questions hitting you up saying, hey, what's this? What's that? Yeah, it's been a thing for the last half half a decade. Uh, um, we didn't really mention it, but uh, DJ Eloy and I had a show called Video Report, and it was in that training wheels era of video DJing where a lot of guys were learning how to do it. Um, made a lot of friends during that era, and a lot of them still support me today and support the, sh- the show, even though the show's long gone. They still hit me up like, yo, when are you bringing it back? And I'm like, this day's done, man. Let it die. I'm going to do podcasting next. There you go. There you go. That's what it's like. um, so, yeah, I still get guys hitting me up. I mean, literally every week. Like, hey, man, like I my edits, like the, the vocals are off when they come out and I don't know why or I can't get this video to look like the quality that you guys do. What am I doing wrong? Um, what I don't like is the, yo, I'm going to be in Boston. Here's my, here's my EPK. I can only get $700 a night. Hook it up. And I'm like, hi, my name's Josh. Nice to meet you. <laughs> right, right, right. <clears throat> All right, y'all. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. DJ Joshua Carl. Yay. That's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. To see the full video interview, go to youtube.com slash DJ Suave. Make sure you subscribe and rate this episode and share with your friends. See you next week on The Stoop with Suave.